What's happening? Welcome into the Matt Bernier Show, part of the In The Money Media Network. My name is Matt Bernier. You can follow me on Twitter at Bernier underscore Matt. Today is Monday, May the 3rd, 2021. This is episode 64 of the program. However you listen, thank you for doing so. Many ways to find the podcast if you're someone who listens just to the audio version. You have Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, InTheMoneyPodcast.com. If you're someone who watches along over on YouTube, all you need to do on YouTube, search bar Matt Burney or show you get this episode along with the 63 prior. This week's show is all about going back and looking at the two big races. And I'm only going to talk about the two marquee events on Friday and Saturday from this past weekend down at Churchill Downs. We'll start with the Kentucky Derby on Saturday and we'll talk about the Kentucky Oaks from Friday Splitting the two, though, I had a chance to catch up with Florent Giroux, who is the rider of Mandaloon. He is also the rider of some of the most well-known horses of the past four or five years. Gunrunner, Monomoy Girl, just to name a few. Wanted to ask him a few questions about the ride and the way the entire Kentucky Derby sort of trail led up to the Derby itself and then the performance from Mandaloon and perhaps what we can expect going forward. Also chatted about a few of those other horses as well. So we'll talk about the Derby first. Then we'll have the interview with Flo, and then we'll roll into the Kentucky Oaks conversation. I want to thank all of you who submitted video clips for last week's show, the Derby Preview Show. thought it went over very well. Many, many people seem to enjoy it. And kind of piggybacking on that, as far as next week's show is concerned, the field, or the entries anyway, will be in for the Preakness next Monday. So it'll be it's a little bit tough to do the same thing we did for the Derby for the Preakness, as opposed to doing that, I'm curious, and, and the thing here is, and it'll probably have to be a very similar time frame, let's say 2 o'clock on Friday of this week, uh, submit a question, whether it's about one of the races from this past weekend that I'm not going to touch on in this show, just because I want to keep things to, you know, a dull roar as far as time goes, uh, if it's about some other horse out there, any kind of question, handicapping, however you go through different things, watching replays, send me a video clip. Heck, it can even be an audio clip if you want, but a video clip would probably be preferable, no more than about a minute in length. That way I have time to go through and actually answer the question. Uh, email those submissions to bernier.matt89 at gmail.com, and I will try to throw some of those together for next Monday's show, and maybe we can do a little bit of a, a more proper Q&A, which we haven't done in, in many, many moons here on this program. So uh, bernier.matt89 at gmail.com. Please send those over. And if we don't get too, too many of them, then I'll just kind of riff and go freestyle. But uh, that's what's to that's what's on deck for next week's show. As far as this week's show, again, we'll start with the Derby. Then we'll get into the interview with Florent Giroux. And then we'll roll in to the Kentucky Oaks. So without further ado, let's go back to Saturday afternoon, the 147th running of the Kentucky Derby. The 147th running of the Kentucky Derby on Saturday afternoon. This video is found on NBC Sports' YouTube channel. You can find the entire replay along with Larry Colmus's call over there, as well as all the other content that NBC Sports puts out on their YouTube channel. Field of 19 three-year-olds going a mile and a quarter. We had the scratch of King Fury on Friday afternoon. He came down with a bit of a fever. Hopefully we see him back, perhaps in the Preakness, but definitely over the summer up at Saratoga. I mean, things get crazy immediately, and this is what the Kentucky Derby is, unfortunately, for better or for worse. It's an entertaining race, but it, it let's call it spade a spade. It's a crapshoot, because you can get a situation like this. Keep an eye on the 14 and 15 hole. 14 is your morning line favorite essential quality. 15 is rock your world. These two horses are going to bounce off of one another immediately, right now. 
And unfortunately for Rock Your World, Joel Rosario loses the iron on the left side and is shuffled all the way back almost to last. Essential quality is now basically guaranteed a mid-pack kind of position. Meanwhile, toward the front end, Medina Spirit is able to clear over. Here on the outside, we have Soup and Sandwich, who's a little bit keyed up and eager, ready to go. Down here in the Judmont Silks Farms. Judmont Silks Farms. Judmont Farms Silks is Mandaloon. He's taken up a beautiful stalking position beneath Flo. And for the most part, beyond that, everyone's worked out decent enough trips, maybe with the exception of this horse back here. That's the number one known agenda who will rewind the tape. Uh, you know, I understand some folks wanted to to point out, ah, well, well now we've got a 20-horse starting gate, not the end of the world. Now we, the now the one hole isn't that bad. I didn't believe that all along. A, two things. Can we can admit now that the draw itself, yes, there is importance to it. I'm not saying it's completely worthless. But these are the sort of things that I was alluding to. You can have what, in theory, is a perfect draw and still get get jobbed by the whole thing because it is anything can happen it's a horse race so yes it's important but it's not the end all be all but also with this one hole that to me is still the only spot you don't want to be in for this reason exactly known agenda is not a speed horse he's also not a one-run closer and whether you want to admit it or not 18 horses want to occupy the position that he has right now and here they all come on over and unfortunately for Arad and Todd Pletcher and company, this is just not a comfortable position for this horse to be in. Arad's going to have to wait, take back a little bit before you know it. He's effectively in, what, 16th or 17th position early on. Anyway, we continue on going around the first turn. You've got, uh, basically everyone has kind of taken up their positions. Things are starting to relax. I think an interesting sort of subplot from a pace situation. You see the opening quarter in 23 seconds. Uh, Midnight Bourbon not nearly as close to the pace as I think many folks, myself included, thought he would be. Uh, the big concern there is, to me, he's a fast horse, but he is not a speedball by any stretch. And when he just didn't flash the brilliant gate speed that some of these other horses did, I think it just inherently kind of took him out of the uh, the running as far as being involved in that top flight of horses. Another horse you're going to want to keep an eye on throughout the run is Highly Motivated, who, in the grand scheme of things, I think pulls a pretty good trip and, you know, uh, let's be honest, the distance gets to him. We'll talk about him more as we round that far turn. This is also Rock Your World, and unfortunately for the Rock Your World backers, his, his race was basically over at the start because for him to overcome that, First time going out to a mile and a quarter, taking on this caliber of runner with this sort of trip, it wasn't going to work. He was effectively taken out of the race. I don't like the fact that some people say, ah, I knew it. I knew he was no good. That's BS. He never had an opportunity to run his race. And for if you're one of those people that is saying, I was right because I didn't like him, you're, you're wrong. Your rationale is wrong. We don't know what he could have done. It's the same thing that I brought up with Mendelssohn all those years ago. For you to sit there and say, ah, I knew it, he was no good, that's, that's bull. Because you don't know that. Because he never got a fair shake. He never got his chance to run his race. So I had made it clear I thought Rock Your World could have won the race by five or he could have been nowhere. But unfortunately, it, it wasn't because I didn't think of it this way. I didn't think of it because, oh, well, he never had an opportunity to run. I don't think you either, it was neither confirmed nor denied that he is as good or as bad as some people make him out to be. And I just think you need to be you need to be you need to be honest when you go through and assess these horses. Take out your biases, take out your preconceived notions and just analyze what you see. Regardless of what you thought of the horse coming into it, you have to objectively say you didn't 
you don't know how well or how poorly this horse could have run because he didn't get a fair shake. Period. He didn't have the opportunity to run his race like a Medina Spirit did, like a Mandaloon did. Essential quality even, you can say. He was uh, just one of those horses that was perhaps taken out of his element based on the start and the way everything played out. So maybe we didn't get to see his best potential race. But again, I think objectively, if you're analyzing races just in general, especially watching tape, you have to take your preconceived thoughts out of the equation and you have to just look at it and say, this is how this whole thing played out and what kind of conclusions do I want to draw from it? That was a long-winded way of saying all that, but here we go. We're rounding the first turn now. The fractions, I, I think they're honest. I don't think they're fast. I don't think they're slow. For this distance, for this caliber of runner, 46 and change for a half mile, I believe 46 and three, is, is very reasonable. And at this point, Medina Spirit has found a nice little beat. You're going to see they're going to cut to another camera. His ears are up. He's loving life here on the front end. Soup and Sandwich has taken up a good position. But as I had said leading into the race, I thought this was a lot to ask for a horse this young and this inexperienced who clearly has had some some greenness throughout his career. Mandaloon, I think, is in a just an absolute ideal position right here. Gets down to the inside, tucks into that sort of pocket, you know, I didn't even think he was going to be this close to the pace. I thought he was going to be probably back here where essential quality is, and it may not seem like that's a giant difference. But, I mean, you're effectively talking about, what, call it a length and a half between where he is positioned right now and where essential quality is. So this is, to me, sort of an ideal spot that he has occupied. And if he is, if he was what I thought he was, he figured to fire a big shot, or if that Louisiana Derby was, in fact, what he was, then he was probably going to back up at some point. Here's Hot Rod Charlie, who is another horse in a relatively good position in the grand scheme of things. Essential quality, boy, it's hard for me to come out of this race and not think he ran the best race. Considering the start and considering the wide trip, for him to only lose by the margin that he did, I have a hard time not looking at him saying he ran the best race on Saturday afternoon. Let the tape run down the backside. You're going to start to see some horses making some moves. Known Agenda is going to try to begin to pick up the pace a little bit from the back of the pack. Again, he was kind of behind it just simply from the way the whole race played out down on the inside. I, at this point, I think everyone has to be reasonably content with their positions. Perhaps Sands, Midnight, uh, excuse me, Midnight Bourbon's back here. Sands Rockier World, and again, that had more to do with the start than anything else. Highly motivated is in a pretty good position. He's following the favorite, essential quality. This is effectively the trip that Chad Brown had hoped for where we're going to be a few lengths off of it. We're going to be in the clear for the most part. I know he is technically in behind horses, but we've got targets as opposed to actually being up there pushing things. St. Hood, I think, is a good horse. Corey Lannery, you expected him to be right down on the rail. The horse just wasn't ready to fire. He didn't run poorly, don't get me wrong, but I think this is another one. A little bit too much too soon for a horse like this. Here we go, rounding the far turn. And at this point, I'm going to back it up slightly. This is when... I'm getting a little bit excited because I see this move that Florent Giroux makes. He splits horses here. Soup and Sandwich is going to pack it in. This, to me, is the hallmark of a horse that's ready to fire a shot. When you can just tip out right here and he quickly looms up alongside, I'm thinking he's a winner. He's going to go right on by. I know Essential Quality is finding his stride. Hot Rod Charlie effectively followed Mandaloon right through. And now we hit the quarter pull as we turn for home. And this is when it really gets just, it, it's a fascinating stretch run for me because it goes to show how good, to me, all of the top four horses ran. I think they all ran very credible races, but also how trips for some of these other horses potentially compromised their chances or 
They just didn't see out the trip. We've all seen this stretch run a million times now. I think Mandaloon is 1-9 to nine to win this thing. And unfortunately, Medina Spirit just digs in deep and turns him away. Hot Rod Charlie is trying. You've got a horse like Essential Quality. Don't forget Obesos. This was a slick ride and a really nice effort from this horse. He continues on. But none of them can get to Medina Spirit, who goes on and prevails. He wins by, I think, officially a half length over Mandaloon. Hot Rod Charlie in third. Essential Quality in fourth. Obesos back here in the fifth position. It was a fascinating race. It was a relatively straightforward race when you think about it. Apart from the start, this was a, many of these trips were, were predictable where you had horses like Mandaloon, who maybe he was a little bit closer than I thought he was going to be. Hot Rod Charlie wasn't a mile out of it, but he wasn't up there pushing the pace, which seemed to be a, a predictable position for him to be in something more similar to the Robert B. Lewis as opposed to the way he ran in the Louisiana Derby. Essential quality, again, considering the, the start and the ground that he had to carry, it's hard for me to sit here and say that he didn't run the best race given the ground loss and all the other things. Uh, you know, Midnight Bourbon ran a sneaky race considering how wide he was. And again, I think they would have loved him to be a little bit closer to the front end, but unfortunately he just doesn't have that He's not a burner out of the gate. He's not that kind of horse who's got a ton of natural early foot out of there to establish the early position. If it's a relatively, I'm going to call it a flat break, where there are many horses who just break alertly, but none of them have that sort of go get them early on, then Midnight Bourbon can be involved. But when you have a Medina spirit in a race like this, or you have anybody else who's a really sharp gate horse, I don't. I just don't think Midnight Bourbon has that ability to go with them at that point early on. So for him to rally from as far back as he did, carrying the ground that he did, I think was a pretty credible effort. Highly motivated. I, I made no bones about it. I didn't think he was going to get the distance. And the way that he ran with this trip, I mean, he backs out pretty badly right now. He didn't want. He didn't want to go this far. Turn him back in distance. He's going to be a major threat in some of these races going shorter distances. You see, keep me in mind is really rallying from the back of the pack. I'll give him some credit. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, I mean, he was just kind of passing tired horses at that point. Some of the other horses that maybe you want to keep an eye on, again, known agenda, no surprise. He ran a very good race in the grand scheme of things, considering he had to break from that inside post. And here you have it. This is the official chart for this year's Kentucky Derby. Medina Spirit wins at 12 to 1. Mandaloon runs second by a half length at 26 to 1. Uh, Hot Rod Charlie third at 5 to 1. And Essential Quality beaten as your 5 to 2 favorite runs fourth. About four and a half lengths clear of Obesos. From a speed figure standpoint, this was a fast race. One of the faster derbies in, in recent memory anyway. Medina Spirit earns a 102. Mandaluna 101. Hot Rod Charlie and Essential Quality both earn 100 buyer speed figures. I think there's nothing out of the realm of uh, sort of, you know, out of left field. I think all of this is very logical. I think it all makes sense. Um, I don't have any any real gripes with, with anything or any questions about sort of the, the numbers and the way everything kind of shook down. My question now, as we go toward Baltimore for the Preakness, Medina Spirit is a very talented horse, but I don't, I think you need to always be aware of what connections think of horses, what they say publicly, or even what just the vibes that they give off about horses. And at no point has Medina Spirit been talked about by the folks involved with him like he's a superstar he, he has been spoken of in a in a high regard but by no means a superstar and I think there I think there's something there 
because I'm going to pull up PPs here. Factor this in. I don't know if we're going to find out in the Preakness whether or not this is the case. My hypothesis is that this is a need-to-lead type, and he cannot pass horses. This race here in his career debut, right to the lead. The Bob Lewis, right to the lead. The Kentucky Derby, right to the lead. Those are his three victories to date. His other three starts, he has been the runner-up in all of them. You'll also note, with the exception of the sham, he has given up ground in all three of them. Now, I've heard folks, folks I respect it, they have, they're exceptional handicappers, say, well, you see the difference when he's ridden to win as opposed to this, that, or the other. I don't fully buy that. I don't fully buy that because I, I'm not convinced that a race like the Santa Anita Derby, that, that, that doesn't make a great deal of sense to me that he wouldn't be ridden to win. You still need to get a grade one for this horse if you're trying. If you're th- talking about it from a stallion standpoint, and if you were just that confident that he's going to win the Kentucky Derby, then he would have had a lot more fanfare going into it. The San Felipe, he lost ground to Life Is Good. That's when Life Is Good ran a hole in the wind. I think people will argue with my idea of him not needing the lead by the sham and say, "Well, look at all the ground that he made up on Life Is Good." Remember back to that race. Mike Smith never asked Life Is Good to run a step. He was geared down for the final quarter mile, and Medina Spirit was still going after him. That, to me, is not indicative. That doesn't mean that the horse was going and getting life is good. Life is good had thrown it in neutral at that point. He had opened up an, un, you know, an insurmountable lead. There was no way that this horse, Medina Spirit, was going to go and run him down. So that, to me, is what I would consider an optical illusion. That's not the truth of the matter. To me, the truth of the matter is he has never made up ground on a horse that he has been behind. Now... To be fair, he is a tough nut to crack when you get him out on the lead. He does not want to let you go by him, which I think is a super admirable trait for a horse who is modestly bred and and cost uh, you know a modest purchase price. But he he's not supposed to be a superstar, but he's got that tenacity. He wants to beat you, and that's something that that's a that's a trait that's not there in all these racehorses. I think it's a fascinating racehorse, but it makes me wonder about the Preakness. If some of these other horses who have been talked about as potential runners, whether it's a concert tour, which also is a a total added layer to the equation because that's another Baffert trainee, whether it's a Cotto River, whether it's someone else who has legitimate early foot, or if for whatever reason Medina Spirit doesn't get out of the gate, can he pass a horse if he has to? My working thought right now is no, and I will be betting against for that reason. I don't believe he can pass a horse if he has to. And at a short price, I think that creates a, a juicy opportunity in a race like the Preakness. Talk about Mandaloon for a moment. Look, I, I, I this is one where I'm not afraid to, to take a victory lap and say, look, I was, I was right all along. The horse was good. The Louisiana Derby, I have no idea what the hell happened. No one does. My thought is that maybe that start kind of hindered him. Perhaps it was the trip that he ended up working out. Whatever the case may be, the Louisiana Derby is not who he is. He is much more the risen star than the Louisiana Derby. I think he got tired at the end of the race, and I've, I brought it up when I chatted with Flo, and I've brought it up with some other folks that I've talked with already. I'm, I'm seeing those parallels to War of Will from a few years ago, where the Louisiana Derby, he get absolutely nothing out of from a fitness standpoint, from a seasoning standpoint. I understand for two different reasons, but neither of these horses, Mandaloon 
or War of Will got anything out of the Louisiana Derby. Effectively making their last race prior to the Kentucky Derby the Risen Star in the middle of February. That's a near, that, that is nearly two months, two and a half months, without a start under their belt, a proper race. So you had effectively nothing but training up to the Kentucky Derby. They both ran so, so well. Mandaloon and, look, I think War of Will would have run a comparable race. He started to get a little bit tired earlier than Mandaloon did. But the point is, they both needed this race, in my opinion, to really tighten them up. And I really, really hope this horse shows up in Baltimore, because I think he's going to win the Preakness if he does. Very similar to the way that War of Will did. And yes, I understand War of Will had a dream trip down there in the Preakness. And look, Mandaloon had a dream trip on Saturday in the Kentucky Derby. But I think he's going to gain an immense amount from this race I think he's going to be a tighter version. I hope they go to the Preakness with him because if they do, uh, barring some ridiculous pace situation where there's no other speed whatsoever, and even if there isn't, I'd be willing to take my shot with Mandaloon at a better price over a horse like Medina Spirit again. I think he ran great. I think he's a very talented racehorse. Uh, and, and look, I'm a, I'm a big fan. I've been a big fan for the better part of, of 20, 2021. I think he's a really talented horse, and, and I expect big things from him going forward. Let's talk about Hot Rod Charlie. Thought Again, nothing to knock here about this performance. He ran his race. I like that he's that sort of horse who has some versatility. He can split horses coming from off of it. He can go to the lead if it's given to him. He's just an honest trier. He's that blue-collar type. Uh, he's another one that, in the right scenario, I don't think he's the most talented horse in this crop, but I do think he has graded stakes races with his name on him. Uh, he deserves opportunities. It sounds like they're going to wait for the Belmont Stakes. I don't have an issue with that. Um, you know, perhaps he would have been a, an interesting candidate for a race like the Preakness, but if the connections want to wait for a race like the Belmont, so be it. I'm not going to argue with that. Uh, another credible effort, nothing really to knock about this horse. Essential quality. I said it during the replay. I'll say it again. I think he ran the best race on Saturday. Considering the start, considering the wide trip and the way that he was finishing, I think essential quality ran the best race in this year's Derby. Sounds like they're going to wait for the Belmont Stakes. I think that's totally valid and totally fair. And you have to look at him as a major threat in that race. And it would be fascinating. Fascinating, fascinating. I know I've been saying fascinating a lot. Sorry. Let's say Medina Spirit wins the Preakness in two weeks. And now we get to the Belmont. And you have Baffert with the possibility of another Triple Crown. This time with Medina Spirit and John Velasquez. And you have the two-year-old champ whose only loss to date, you could say, was a product of trip in the Derby, looking to exact revenge. And then what if I added in another layer to that equation with a horse that we'll talk about later on in the show? And maybe she shows up as another contender in a spot like that. Oh, well, I mean, the, the storylines, the headlines write themselves, if that's the case. This year's Belmont, if, if all the stars align and certain horses do what they look like they're capable of doing, if connections choose to go in certain spots, if the horses train the way that they need to, oh, this year's Belmont could be fantastic. Really looking forward to it. And the, and the Belmont Stakes is, is my favorite race of the year anyway, but, um, oh, it could, be, it could be a delightful Belmont Stakes. Uh, Obesos, cool horse. Cool little horse. Great job by Greg Foley and company. You know, he, he doesn't have any real speed. He's always going to be at the mercy of pace and trip. Uh, but for him to run this way, I, I just thought it was a really good effort. I don't know that he's of the cream of the crop, but he is not that far behind. I would love to see them, for the time being anyway, 
take sort of I don't want to call it the path of least resistance, but some of those some of those graded stakes in the Midwest I think would be great opportunities for Obesos. Um, mile and a sixteenth type races, you know, the Indiana Derby, um, the Ohio Derby, those type of races in a mile and an eighth. I, I think he would fit beautifully in there. And then if you get to the fall or, or late summer anyway, and you want to try the Travers at a mile and a quarter or you know, one of those spots or heck, even if, you know, another fascinating thing, I keep saying fascinating. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Another intriguing option. I don't know why anyone would do it unless they needed an extra week, but the Jockey Club Gold Cup moving to Saratoga on closing weekend at a mile and a quarter. I mean, it it all but eliminates the idea of a three-year-old running in that spot. But I don't think it entirely rules out the possibility of let's say you needed an extra week and if you know if, if the older horses it's looking eh, subpar at best you know maybe you do wait and you, you take a shot there in a spot like that i don't know i'm just i'm just spitballing at this point I'm just riffing but obesos i think is a really cool little horse and and there's no reason to think that he won't continue to improve again my preference would be to see him take that sort of midwestern path uh until maybe later on in the summer but Obviously, whatever the connections choose to do, they're going to do right by the horse. Midnight Bourbon, I've already chatted about. I just don't think he's blessed with that natural gate speed. That's just my opinion. I think he's a fast horse early on, and if they choose to go to the Preakness, he could at least maybe inject a little bit of pace. But at the same time, you know, I I, I don't know where he really stacks up. I said I thought he could be a nice horse. He's an honest horse that just shows up and runs his race, and I think all things considered, he did here. He, he carried a lot of ground. I'll be curious to see what they want to do with him going forward. Keep me in mind, I think he just clunked up, grabbed some pieces. Helium really didn't run terribly. He was much closer to the pace than I thought he would be. This is his second start as a three-year-old. It's only his fourth lifetime start. I don't know where you're going to go with him, but he's an interesting horse as well. Known agenda. Uh, I could see a situation where he runs in the Belmont because he feels like he wants to run all day. But I think a lot of that would, frankly, depend on what happens with the Philly. I'd be surprised if they ran both of them against one another, but I know they're not owned by common ownership, so there's so many different layers that come into play there. To me, he feels more like a Belmont horse. Or if you want to give him a little bit of time, although he's still green and I'd love to see some more racing, maybe you just wait for Saratoga. Maybe you wait for the Jim Dandy and you bring him back in the Travers and he's a prime player in a spot like that. Known agenda, though, in the big picture, I don't think this was a bad effort. I think he just got kind of job by the inside post. Uh, and highly motivated. We'll kind of wrap things up with him. Plain and simple, he needs to turn back in distance. That's my opinion. Maybe you can get a mile and an eighth with him. Maybe a race like the Haskell works. I still maintain he's best going one turn, uh, going a shorter distance. I would see. I He's a perfect H. Allen Jerkins horse to me. I'd love to see him in that race up at Saratoga. I, I've brought up Practical Joke's name before. I'm going to continue to say it. He reminds me of Practical Joke, both from a talent standpoint and as far as what he actually wants to do. Um, I, I'm very anxious to see him getting back to one-turn races. Uh, I, I suppose the the other horse that, you know, and we'll wrap it up with Rock Your World again. I, I made it very clear. You you For better or for worse, we learned nothing from this race. You didn't. And if you're, if you're drawing definitive conclusions from this race you're you're doing it wrong because he never had an opportunity to run his race if you give him a chance and he's more forwardly placed maybe he wins i have no idea but if you say for certain you know he wouldn't you're you're wrong 
That's not how this thing works. Um, I feel bad for the connections. He would be a prime time player in a race like the Belmont Stakes. I haven't read anything about what John Sadler and company want to do with him. He would be a prime candidate given the way he, he likes to run and his pedigree. He would be a prime, prime candidate for the Belmont Stakes and he would just add to the intrigue of that race. This year's Derby, fascinating. Medina Spirit gets it done. Johnny V's fourth, Baffert seventh. Mandaloon gave me a thrill. Thought he was going to get there and couldn't quite hang on, but boy, it was a hell of a race all around. Let me know what your thoughts are about this year's Derby beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter at Bernier underscore Matt. Speaking of Mandaloon, had a chance to catch up with his rider, Laurent Giroux. We talk about Mandaloon, we talk about the Derby, and we talk about some of his other mounts over the past few years. Let's throw it into that interview, and coming out of that, we'll dive into the Kentucky Oaks. All right, happy to be joined by Florent Giroux, the rider of many great horses over the past few years, but I think most well-known, gunrunner, Monomoy girl, and for me, I've had a couple of my favorites, She Dares the Devil, as well as this past Saturday, he rode Mandaloon in the Kentucky Derby to a runner-up finish. Before we dive into it, Flo, thanks for giving me uh, a few minutes to come in on chat. You're welcome. Uh, thanks for having me, uh, Matt. Absolutely. Um, I guess let's just get right into it. Uh, I, one of the things that I'm most fascinated by with Mandaloon specifically, you know, we, you and I have chatted about it already. The the Louisiana race in the Louisiana Derby, he just, for whatever reason, didn't show up with his best. We all know that. You know, going into the Derby on Saturday, do, do you approach a horse like that any differently than, let's say, a gunrunner or a Monomoy girl who... You, you know what you're going to get out of them. They're going to show up with their best race each and every time they go out. Did you approach the race on, on Saturday any differently considering that non-effort in the Louisiana Derby last out? Differently, yes and no. You know, I have faith on the horse, you know, because uh, I've been working him, uh, with him you know, in the morning uh, the past few weeks, you know, prior to the to the race, you know, on, uh, on Saturday. So I know the horse is feeling good. I know what I have, you know, underneath me. Uh, it's like, you know, test drive the car, you know, before you're going, you know, for the for the race so i felt i felt pretty good about it but uh, like you said when they run bad like this and especially like he did and that was his only bad race and uh i was i mean it's concerned from everyone and that's why you know many people uh you know that's why he was such you know you know high odds you know he was 28 to 1 if he would have run a winner losing a derby or run good in it it would have been six to one you know so i guess you know people who kept faith on him like you, you know, uh, did pretty good. And, and to your point, I mean, that was kind of the way that I had laid it out. If he had won the Louisiana Derby, like we all thought he was going to, I mean, he's probably the second choice, maybe the third choice at worst in that race on Saturday afternoon. L let's go into the race itself. I thought it was a brilliant job to get down to the rail immediately, effectively. It was within, it felt like the first 100 yards of the race. You found yourself in a nice spot down in the inside. Before we get into sort of the, the final quarter mile, how much of your game plan is, is affected in a race when you see some of the players that you expect to be up amongst the pace, specifically Rock Your World, when they're not there, how much does your game plan get altered at that point? Uh, you know what, it's all changed. You know, like you're always prepared to have a plan B, to be honest, because especially in those kind of races, even any other race, uh, there's someone who's not going to break good or something's going to happen. Uh, sometimes you know everything works perfectly according to what looks on on uh, on PPs, but sometimes it does not. Uh, a big race like this, you know, you know, it's a 19 horse field. Something's gonna happen. Someone's gonna break a step slow, or somebody's gonna get bumped. Uh, there's always the horse or two who's not gonna be where they're supposed to be. 
And uh, now I knew, like, I, I have a good feel, like, I felt like the quickest horse outside of me was right next to me, made a nice spirit. Then there was some other outside of him who were also maybe a little bit quicker or just as fast. But I have a felt, I felt like the inside was a little bit free for me. I knew the from one all the way to six, there was not one quicker than me if I wanted to use my horse. So that's why I knew I had a chance of securing the rail if my horse, of course, you know, was going to break good. Down the backside, you procure that, that lovely pocket spot. You're in just behind Medina Spirit, soup and sandwiches to the outside, pressing Medina Spirit. The fractions, they weren't blistering fast, but you weren't walking out there either. I think it was an honest pace, all things considered. And rounding the far turn, I think this is for me anyway, somebody who was in my position rooting on you and your horse, um, and anybody else, frankly, if you're a fan of Medina Spirit or, or any of those horses that were in that ballpark, this is when I felt like the race really started because you were able to angle out to that 2-3 path, split horses, and when you started to roll up, typically I call it kind of that turn move. When you see that from a horse, to me it signifies A, a really talented racehorse, but B, a horse who's ready to fire a big shot. I thought you were going to be a winner at that point. When did you think you were in with a big chance? And then, unfortunately, when did the realization hit? Was it at the wire that you realized he just wasn't going to be able to get by Medina Spirit? I felt pretty good pretty much all the way there, you know, uh, to be honest, Matt. Even down the backside, you know, I was full of horse. You know, I had to almost, like, you know, uh, tap on the brakes once or twice to make sure, you know, my horse, you know, keep his energy, you know, all the way until, uh, you know, the the right moment. And uh, when I split horses, I knew, like, you know, you don't know for sure, but I had a good feeling like uh, Soup and Sandwich was going to stop at some point, you know. So that's why I still right behind uh, uh, Medina Spirit. And I knew when the other horse was going to, you know, get tired. Hopefully I was able to get the split if no one was going to be outside of him and try to box me in. So that's why I kind of make the move and had a good feel. I mean, I felt great all the way until the 16th pole. Uh, you know, so I was head to head with him for a long time and... Um, uh, Medina Spirit was just the best horse at the end, you know. Uh, my horse tried hard, but just couldn't go by. Now, I'm kind of approaching this race from, from Mandaloon, and I apologize to anybody listening or watching that, you know, we're talking about Mandaloon, period. <laughs> that's that's why we've got Flo on here. I'm approaching this horse in a very similar way that I approached more of Will from a few years ago, where he had a bit of a non-effort in the Louisiana Derby for whatever reason, you consider the time off between the Risen Star and the Kentucky Derby for each of those horses to run as well as they did in that race. Your horse on Saturday in War of Will a couple of years ago. I can't help but think the next start, wherever that ends up being, you're going to have probably the tightest version of the horse that you're ever going to see. I mean, do, does that sort of thing, do you think about that kind of thing? And, and does it, you know, what's the overall kind of vibe from the camp as far as Mandaloon's concerned? Yeah, exactly. I, I think about that, you know, I'm making all right. Uh, you know, like you said, you had six weeks between the Louisiana Derby and uh, and the Kentucky Derby. Now it's back in two weeks. I think it's all accounting on how the horse come back from uh, from this race. Uh, the only uh, different point, you know, is, uh, like you said, War of Will. Uh, War of Will got shut off in the Derby, then tried really hard, you know. So, <laughs> so he was able to bounce back, you know, in a quickness even quicker than, you know, my horse. My horse, you know, run a A-plus race, and he was give everything he has. So now it's just, he, I think it's Brad's job, you know, to monitor how the horse, you know, came back from the race, make sure, you know, his energy level and everything is, is good to go. 
And from there, you know, maybe thinking about going to, to Baltimore. And of course, the owner, they need to be on board also, too. So I think it's more like it's not uh, it's not up to me. You know, if you ask me my, my, you know, my opinion, I would think, you know, the mine 316 would be perfect. It has a little bit of practical speed. Look like there should be a little more speed in this race, you know, if Concert Tour or, you know, horses like Colorado River and some other, you know, might go in there. After that, like I said, you know, it's not up to me. The connection are going to make the decision and uh, I'm going to jump on board, you know, as soon as uh, they give me the green light. It's just nice to know, to see that this is the horse. And you and I, again, we chatted a little bit beforehand that you knew this was a very talented racehorse. And I think I I was certainly happy to see him actually, you know, acquit himself and show that, you know what, I am every bit as good as some folks thought I was coming out of that risen star. And I know you felt the same way. Oh, exactly. You know, I've been, uh, I've been working all those horses, you know, for Brad, you know, through the years, including, you know, essential quality. I'm not saying I was on the right horse. I know how talented he is, but I'm like, I think I just as just as good a chance as him, you know. I know what I got, and I've been on board on him several times in the morning, and I know also what he has too. Uh, I was just excited and very happy with the the way the, the horse performed. I was just a little bit, you know, uh, heartbroken by the the outcome of the race, but uh, not by the horse and and the team, you know, all the you know hard work they they accomplished, you know, coming into the race. And uh, the horse shows up, and that's the most important. And I felt like I did my job, you know. I thought I give the horse every chance to win the race. We didn't get the job done, but at least I did my part of the job, you know. And I think I feel like everyone did, you know, not only including myself, the trainer, uh, the excess rider, the groom, the hot worker, everybody, the whole team did perfect. And I think uh, that's why it's most uh, rewarding of. I was going to say, it, it maybe it, it's a small consolation, if any, but it certainly wasn't for lack of preparation or execution. The horse went out there and ran, and everybody involved with the horse did their job. And unfortunately, just just a hair short, hopefully the tables will be turned if you do end up showing up in Baltimore. Before I let you go, I'd be rem, rem, remiss if I didn't ask about two of the, the big girls that you're riding now, Monomoy Girl and She Dares the Devil. Let's start with Monomoy Girl. Just that heartbreak of a loss in the apple blossom I, you know, I had asked you, do you think it was a matter of not to take anything at all away from Latruska, the winner? Was it a matter of Latruska digging in and getting it done, or did Monomoy Girl get a little bit, uh, a little goofy out there when she hit the front? I think there was a little bit of both, uh, to be honest. Uh, I would say number one, you know, Monomoy Girl, not like fully trying, but she's always been like that. Uh, you know, most of the time, you know, she, she put the other. Uh, uh, Phillies, you know, KO, you know, by the eight ball, but uh, this time, you know, lack of like, you know, fast pace, uh, Letruska was able to to find another gear, you know, right uh, right at the end. And uh, I, I really thought, you know, Letruska is a very talented filly and she tried hard and she was able to to beat her. Uh, our, our, our mayor is getting a little bit older. She's six years old now. Uh, she's extremely talented, but she's very smart too. And um, that's the way it is, you know, I mean, I... I don't, I, I don't want to lose any of the races, but I'd rather get beat in the Apple Blossom than losing a Breeders Cup or Kentucky Oaks by a nose. I think that would have been a little more, little more heartbroken, you know. But uh, not very happy with the with the filly, and I think uh, she shows, you know, she's still, uh, she's still the the queen bee, you know, of uh, all the other fillies uh, and mare, you know, out there. And uh, I believe she's still, uh, she's still the top, uh, top, top dog in there. Speaking of Kentucky Oaks, last year's winner, she dares the devil. She got her second grade one victory on Friday in the La Troyenne. You know, we, we chatted a little bit about it. She's 
for whatever reason, some of her races come up a little bit on the slow side. And that there's really no two ways to argue that depending on what figures you look at, she's run slow in some of these spots despite winning. I guess in your heart of hearts, does she feel like a Breeders' Cup caliber filly? Or or does it seem like for whatever reason, maybe she's just not quite of the the, the class of the Monomoy girls of the world? My opinion, I think she's a Breeders' Cup, uh, this stuff, you know, top contender filly, no doubt. You know, she's a... She's a dual uh, grade one winner. Uh, she's a classic winner, winning the Kentucky Oaks last year. She repeats, you know, again at four years old. She was able to beat uh, Letruska off the layoff. Some will say I have a good trip, and him was not able to make the lead. Uh, she's able to winning races, also stalking, like she did in the uh, Kentucky Oaks. Even if somehow Letruska goes on lead as stalker, uh, I don't see why not. I can run her down, you know. Uh, I think she she matched very nice, you know, nicely. Uh, from three to four, uh, mentally and physically, I think she's at the top level right now of her, of her ability, and uh, I have no doubt, you know, she can be, uh, uh, you know, a top contender for the Breeders' Cup this year. I was gonna say, I believe it was post race on Friday. Kenny Rice may have been chatting with Brad Cox, and he had mentioned the, uh, I believe it's the Clement L. Hirsch out of Del Mar, as perhaps a a target for a horse like She Dares the Devil, knowing that the Breeders' Cup will be out at Del Mar again this year. Uh, Florent, I appreciate the time. Again, I, I know you've got a busy schedule, and coming off of such a big weekend, uh, you guys get back. When do you get back to racing? On Thursday this week? Well, racing back on Thursday, actually. We had one more extra day off, you know, because Sunday is always off, you know, the day after the derby. So we had four days off, like four days without racing, and back on Thursday, and this weekend I'll be back at... Uh, all week at Churchill, then the next following week, uh, hop on the plane and go to Baltimore. Looking forward to it. Best of luck. I appreciate the time, and uh, we'll be in touch. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Matt. Thanks again to Florent Giroux for giving us a few minutes to chat about some of the things that happened this weekend, specifically in the Derby. Now, as we go back to Friday afternoon, this was the Kentucky Oaks 2021 version. Uh, Mala thought was your 5-2 to two morning line favorite. She's going to encounter a little bit of trouble right from the start, breaking from post position number 10. But there are some other fillies in this race that really endure miserable trips, specifically the 4 and the 5. Crazy beautiful and past the champagne. We're going to start. They break from the gate. Keep an eye on the 4 and the 5 and the 10. The 10's a little bit slow into stride. That's Mala thought. She bounces between horses right now. The 4 and the 5 are going to come together right now in an absolute pinball session. And they get shuffled all the way to the back. Past the Champagne, I think, is the one that takes the worst of it. Meanwhile, on the front, you've got Travel Column beneath Florent Giroux. Up here in third, perched about four paths right now, is Search Results, the undefeated filly for Chad Brown. And my big concern with her going into the race was she hadn't changed leads in either of her starts this year. And what happens if she gets into some sort of a prolonged duel down the lane with a horse like Malatha? I just didn't want to bet on her whether she would or wouldn't do it. It just was one of those things where I don't want to have to worry about that as a thing, especially with a horse like Malathot, who it looks like she could be absolutely anything. Going down the backside right now, everyone's in pretty good position, again, with the exception of the four and the five. They're the ones that, if you're looking for excuses, just draw lines through this race for them, unfortunately. Meanwhile, here we are. We just saw the half mile and 47 and change. You've got travel column here. You've got Mraz coming in from the West Coast. Search results is in a beautiful position. This is effectively, I'm, I call this the American Pharaoh trip. Three to four wide, in the clear, stalking the pace. We can take over whenever we want. Slightly behind is Malathot. And again, considering that she had to deal with that little bit of an issue at the start, got shuffled back a bit. John Velasquez, we're talking about a weekend. 
taking the Oaks and the Derby in the same weekend, but also working out this sort of trip. It's part of the reason he's a Hall of Famer. This is a beautiful ride to get her into a position where she was able to strike when he asked her to move. Here's Milfoy. This is the filly that I liked. I thought she ran just fine, all things considered. Not quite as good as these girls at this stage in the game. Will Secret between horses runs a really big race here for the uh, the Horton Silks, the Horton Stable. Now, here we are. We're rounding the far turn. Travel Column's cruising along. My concern with Travel Column leading into this race was her ability to get the distance. I just, I, in my heart of hearts, I don't think she's a mile and an eighth filly. Search Results is moving sweetly beneath the Rad Ortiz Jr., but meanwhile, here's the big girl, Malatha, and she's starting to warm up on the far outside, and it sets the stage for just a tremendous stretch battle between these two girls. One of the better Oaks that I can remember in recent memory anyway, just the two of them throwing it down. This is a proper horse race. Search results, changes to her right lead, no problems, no big deal. And she digs in. She gives Malathot everything she can handle in this spot. Those two go on with it, just absolutely throwing it down. And Malathot's going to prevail by the slimmest of margins. They are well clear of the third place finisher in here. That ends up being Will Secret. Clarière is involved with this thing. She finishes fourth. But what a run. From the top two fillies in here, Malathot and Search Results. They both earn buyer speed figures of 95. Will Secret and Clarier, third and fourth, they earn buyers of 91. Everybody else sub 90. You know, I, there's just so much to, to digest with all of this. Again, I, I sound like a broken record. Draw a line through the race for Pass the Champagne. Draw a line through this race for Crazy Beautiful. Neither of them were afforded a fair opportunity. Very similar to the way I was laying it out for Rock Your World. Whether you like them or you didn't like them coming into it, this race should not be the race that you make your, you draw your conclusions from because they never had a chance to really do what they were capable of, for better or for worse. So draw lines through this. Withhold any judgment on them. If you like them going into it, you should still like them. If you didn't like them coming into it, you can still be questionable. But don't use this as the reason that they, either confirming or denying your opinion. Malathot, though, is, is just such a cool horse because she's got the royal pedigree. She has the top flight connections with Todd and Johnny. It's a filly who's never taken a step back. And I, I, I talk about it many, many times, especially in these the road to the Derby and the road to the Oaks. I don't like the horses that have giant, giant jump-ups on speed figures, specifically talking about the buyers, but I think just all speed figures in general. I like to see the incremental improvement. Because that's the sort of improvement that, to me, it signifies it's sustainable. It's not a one-off. And maybe there's going to be a dramatic sort of reaction to the race from the horse. This is a filly who, in five lifetime starts, she's only started twice here in 2021. She's improved six points, three points, three points, and six points on the buyer scale. I love everything about that progression. She continues to get better. And I'll tell you what. You know, we, we talk about Medina's spirit, and he's got that tenacity. He doesn't want to let you go by. Malathot's got a nose for that wire, man. She knows how to win races. And that's another trait that I you can't teach that. Horses either have it or they don't. Human athletes either have that, that winning mentality or they don't. She has it in spades. And I, I've brought up the possibility in the past, and I think you have to consider it. I, I think the Belmont Stakes is in play for her. Not only to potentially run, but I, I think she's a legitimate threat to win that race. I feel like longer's only going to be better for her. And I see no reason why she doesn't take another step forward in her next start. I, I just think she, she has an unbelievable amount of potential in the big picture. 
She could be absolutely anything for these connections. Malathot's a serious, serious racehorse. Let's talk about search results. She's much better than I gave her credit for. I was concerned about sort of the greenness in the two starts at Aqueduct. I was concerned about the level of company that she was keeping. And now what's she going to do against bigger and better? She acquitted herself really, really nicely. And Chad Brown did a great job getting her to this position and having her ready to run the race that she did on Friday afternoon. I thought Arad gave her a brilliant ride. Again, I call it the American Pharaoh trip. Where else would you rather be? If you think you're on the best horse or one of the best horses, then three, four wide, yeah, you're going to carry a little bit of ground, but you're in the clear every step of the way. You don't have to worry about getting stopped. You can go on with it, and she just got beat by a better filly on the day, a slightly better filly on the day. Uh, again, another handicapping sort of piece that I always talk about. As you can see, for those of you that are watching on YouTube, you see she had paired up 92 buyers leading into the Kentucky Oaks, and she moves up to a 95. That's one of my favorite moves, pairing up career buyer tops or any speed figure top. I think it, it can precede a forward move. We saw that from search results. She deserves a ton of credit, and she's going to be a major player in this three-year-old Philly division going forward. Will Secret is a nice horse. I think she's a notch below the cream of the crop in here. But Dallas Stewart did a great job having her ready to go. He gets involved in one of these big races again at a giant price. And good on, on John Court for getting a piece of this thing on Friday afternoon. Clarier is another filly who it feels like distances her friend. She does continue to improve. Another one, if you're watching along, uh, she had those paired up 83 buyers, moved forward to an 87 in the Fairgrounds Oaks, moved up again to a 91 on Friday in the Kentucky Oaks. I don't think she is as good as the top two, but there are races with her name on them, no question. Travel Column becomes an interesting filly to me, specifically for a race like the Acorn. A one-turn mile, I'd love to see a little bit of a turn back for this filly because much like her dad frosted, I think she's capable at two turns. I think she could potentially be brilliant going one turn. And I'd love to see them turn her back for a race like the Acorn. I think that would hit her right between the eyes. Uh, a nice filly. She deserves to be in all these races. Uh, I just don't know that added ground is going to be to her benefit. And it opens up a whole new world. If you turn her back to that one-turn mile, she runs really well there. Now you start plotting your your path to a race like the Breeders' Cup filling in Mare Sprint. And we know in Brad Cox's barn, the, he's got monsters for the Distaff division. So travel column, you would like to think, why not? Why not? go to a group that perhaps isn't going to be quite as deep and historically is much more on the sort of up and down side. I know we've got Gamine, but Gamine notwithstanding, you know, that Philly and Mare sprint division is, is usually a crapshoot. You might have a prime example of a, of a Philly who can take that division over here as a three-year-old. Some of the other horses in here, Milfoy, you know, she was wide throughout and, and she did take a step forward. Maybe she's not quite what I want her to be, I'm still not ready to give up on her. I think she's good. I think there is still something here. But, you know, we have to be honest. Uh, if I'm going to sit here and, and pat myself on the back for, for Mandaloon and believing, I, I also have to be, uh, you know, honest about it and say she's not as good as I thought she was or I, as good as I hoped she would be. And I was wrong with this, with taking a shot here against Malathot. I thought Malathot was the most likely winner, but my pick was Milfoy, and she ended up finishing a non-threatening sixth. Uh, Maracuja, nice effort coming in from New York. Pauline's Pearl, I gave her a chance. A little bit disappointed with that performance, and I brought it up as far as the other horses down here. Crazy beautiful and past the champagne, just entirely draw a line through. But I think the future is very bright for some of the girls that are in this race, but specifically the top two, and even more specifically, uh, the winner, Malathot. I really, really hope, I know they are going to consider it. I really hope 
they run her in the Belmont Stakes against the boys at a mile and a half. Because I think, I think Malathot could win that race regardless of what boys show up in that spot. Uh, let me know what your thoughts are about this year's Kentucky Oaks beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter at Bernier underscore Matt. There you have it. Thoughts on this year's Kentucky Derby and this year's Kentucky Oaks. And again, thanks to Flo for giving us a few minutes to chop up a number of different things from a racing standpoint. And I'm going to say it, if you have any questions, comments, concerns beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt, but also uh, knowing that I would like to try to have some sort of a a proper Q&A for next week's show, um, feel free to submit a question or a comment even. Uh, via video form or even audio form to bernier.matt89 at gmail.com. And we'll go through that for next Monday's show. Again, entries will be submitted next Monday toward the Preakness. And as I'm recording this, and I don't even remember what I had said in the opening segment, but a concert tour, it sounds like he's going to the Preakness for Bob Baffert, which adds quite the wrinkle to this entire thing. It'll be really, really interesting. Notice how I didn't say fascinating. I'm catching myself. Really interesting to see how this whole thing plays out and unfolds from a pace standpoint, if my hypothesis is correct, that Medina Spirit can't pass a horse. So we will see in time, but for the time being anyway, if you have anything you want answered, whether it's from a a handicapping standpoint, sort of how you go about breaking races down and looking at different things, uh, watching tape, if it's just questions about horses in general, um, whatever it may be, feel free to make a submission bernier.matt89 at gmail.com. We'll go over that on next Monday's show. Uh, Until then, well, first things first, uh, please rate, review, and subscribe, however you listen to this thing, uh, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, InTheMoneyPodcast.com, or over on YouTube. Uh, YouTube, that In The Money Media channel, please make sure that bell icon is lit up when you subscribe. That way you get notified anytime new content is uploaded to the channel. And you can, again, follow me on Twitter at bernier underscore matt. Without further ado, I'm going to let you all get out of here. It's been a long weekend. We're all trying to shake the cobwebs out, get back into the swing of things. This has been episode 64 of the Matt Bernier Show. Best of luck however you play, whatever you play, and wherever you play. Until next Monday, good luck.